Be encouraged. Welcome to a podcast centered around being encouraged, being an encouragement to someone, and being in courage, replacing fear with unwavering trust. I hope you are encouraged today by a message from Michelle Reynolds. No matter what phase you are in in life, you can be in courage in Christ. Back. Before we get started, I just kind of wanted to express myself before we get into the scripture. It it blows my mind at how good God is and how faithful he is when we're seeking him for him to give us the answers that we need to help us grow. A few days ago, as I was seeking God, trying to figure out what the topic of this podcast was going to be about, I kept getting this leading toward those who do not have a relationship with God. Those who don't understand what it means to really be in relationship with God. Not just to understand a religion or to understand that Christianity exists, but to really apply biblical principles and seek to live a a life that is led by the Holy Spirit. The more I thought about it, the more I thought about spiritual blindness and how we can be blinded to the workings of God. And when I wake up every morning, I see the work of God. When I look at his creation, when I look at the sky, when I look at different things that he's doing in my life and in other people's lives, I'm able to see that God is real. And I say so often, I don't understand how people not believe that God is real. I don't get how people don't understand that God is real. And I think it's because I've been growing over the past several years that I tend to forget where I used to be. As far as not so much the things that I've done and what God has forgiven me for, but my spiritual state. I wasn't, I have not always been the, the growing mature Christian that I am now. At one point, I was spiritually bonded. And now that I've been growing in my relationship for some years, I can say that I've honestly forgotten what it was like to be spiritual bonded. I said that to say that as I was thinking about spiritual blindness, I only thought about it in that perspective, being spiritually bonded from understanding what it means to be a Christian and then not understanding what it means to be a Christian. But again, I'm going to say that it's so funny or not funny, but it's so amazing to me how God kind of gets our attention because I wrote that the topic for today was going to be about being spiritually blind. Seeing with our eyes doesn't always guarantee us being able to see with our heart. And I went to church yesterday and my pastor preached on the same exact thing. He preached about the same exact thing. He actually broke it down for what it looks like for someone who is spiritually um, blinded and what we're supposed to do as believers who are not spiritually blinded. But the more I thought about it, I realized that We can be spiritually bonded in many different ways. It doesn't have to just be that one way like I perceived it, that I was once blind because I didn't understand the workings of Christ. Now that I'm growing in my faith, I understand the workings of Christ. So God is revealing some certain things to me I'm able to see. But I realized that I can also be spiritually blinded to his workings and teachings, even though I am growing 
because he just hasn't revealed certain things to me yet. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 20 and I want to read the whole chapter because it really just made me think about the different ways that I have been spiritually blinded and the ways that I'm probably am still spiritually blinded and I'm just praying that God continues in his timing to reveal things to me that I need to apply and look at differently because when I rush it when I try to get ahead of God I always just stumble and fall but the more I step back and say okay Lord you show me what you ready to show me you help me to act how you want me to act the more he opens my eyes to the crazy foolish things that I have done or the foolish ways I have seen or looked at situations or treated people. But anyway, let's go ahead and get into our verses. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 20. And again, I'm going to read the whole chapter. Verse one, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am gracious? So the last will be first and the first will be last. So when we read this, well, when I read it, we, it's easy for me to think about this passage in relation to gifts and how God blesses us and different people. What it's really not about gifts. It's really not about what he gives us. It's not about the blessings. It's more about grace and how we receive grace and how we respond when someone else receives grace. And I have been spiritually blinded to think that I have been righteous or I have done certain things that make me a little bit better than someone else. And that's arrogance, that's pridefulness, that's envious, that so many other negative connotations can be added to that thought process that I had because it's so easy to, like I say, forget where I used to be in comparison to where I am now. So it's so easy to think that, oh, I'm serving God. I've been serving God for a long time. And then when someone new comes in and God decides to use that person, at one point in my life, I used to be jealous of how God would bless certain people with gifts and abilities and talents that seem so natural and easy for them. 
And I looked at my life and said, okay, well, I do this good, but I don't do what that person is doing well. I think that God has really grown me and shown me how, Michelle, you can't be jealous of the grace that I choose to give to someone else or the favor that I choose to pour on someone else because you need to be satisfied and content with the lot that I give you. And I think that we can often get distracted by focusing on what God is doing for someone else or how God is using someone else, that we don't look at the things that he's doing in our life. We can be spiritually blinded to his grace that he gives to us daily. No matter how long you have been serving God or how short of amount of time that you have been serving God, he pours out favor and grace on each of us alike. Now, the way my grace may look is different from what your grace may look. But he is generous to all of us, even though we're undeserving of it. Verse 17 through 20. Now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. On the way, he took the 12 aside and said to them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. So I wanted to stop at verse 20 for a second to really just kind of show another way that I have been spiritually blinded. And I think that many others have been spiritually blinded also. First off, she came to Jesus kneeling down asking for a favor. Her kneeling down was a sign of worship, but her motive was to receive. And I think about the many times that I have gone to God and I really had to repent because I have gone to God in acts of religious worship, in acts of doing things that are considered to be worshiping, singing praises, kneeling at the altar, and just all those different things that are typical aspects of worship. But my motives were wrong. My motives were to receive something from God as a result of my worship versus me worshiping God, not for what he has done for me or what he can do for me, but because of who he is. And I think that so many of us get spiritually blinded or distracted by acting on religious practices, by actually doing the things that outwardly look like we're doing the right things, but our heart it's not pure. Our heart has wrong motives. And I really think that that's spiritual blindness. We don't really understand that our motives are out of line until he reveals that truth to us. Well, that's the truth for me anyway. Okay, let me finish reading. Verse 21. What is it you want? He asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. So I'm going to stop right there again because... She went to God asking for a favor, but her favor was she was wanting to exalt her children. And I think that many of us do the same exact thing. We want what's good for our children. We want the best for our children. We want them to be honored and respected and, and treated well. And I think that her intentions were for her children to be above all the others versus really understanding what God was telling her. And I think that she was also, as, as well as her sons, were kind of self-focused because here it is, Jesus was just saying that he was going to be murdered. He was going to be crucified. And the first thing to happen after 
he tells them that he's going to be crucified is them asking for something in return for them. Them wanting to be exalted. Them wanting to be put in a place of glory and honor. And then I think about my own life. I definitely had to ask and seek God on really helping me to grasp an appreciation for the crucifixion. Because at one point, I didn't really get the significance of it because I really just didn't understand spiritual things. But I actually began to seek God and ask him, Lord, help me to understand and appreciate what the cross meant and what you being crucified means for my life. And now that I have that understanding and I look and I see their immediate response, after he says he's going to be crucified, it made me realize just how spiritually blinded I was because I used to go to God and ask him and ask him and ask him and ask him. But I really understand that what he already sacrificed for me when he went on the cross. And I think that when it comes down to our children, we all want great things for our children. Scripture even tells us if we if sinful people can give good gifts to their children, what more can God do for uh for them? You know, so I know that we all want great things for our children. But what if God has something different in mind for our children? How do we handle that? What if our child is not going to be put in a position of exaltation or put in a position of glory and honor, but they're put in a position where they're actually being used by God, just not in a glorifying way. You know, we all want our child to be the big star, but what if God isn't doing that? How do we handle that? And for me personally, I recently had a struggle, you know, over the past few years, since I've had my son, he's four now. I have noticed that certain things, as far as speaking, he had a hard time. And, he, you know, it's certain things that we're still having to work with him on. But he has a hard time of uh, verbal language, speaking and making complete sentences. For Jayla, my daughter, it was so natural and easy that I never really had to teach her. I never really had to spend time and say, let me break this down for you. Because she just naturally picked it up. Well, with my son... It's not the same. So I find myself having to put forth more effort with him in order to get him to learn how to do things that naturally comes to other children. And I really struggled with it in the beginning because I started to have all these overwhelming thoughts and overwhelming fears like, is my child autistic? Is my child this? Is my child that? You know, what is my child going to live with me for the rest of his life? All these different thoughts and concerns and fears ran across my mind because every parent wants their child to be thriving and awesome and full of life and capable and able to do anything that they put their mind to. And then the moment that something challenges that, it's easy to say or it's easy to start to think negative. At least for me, it is. So I really had to step back and say, Lord, I trust you with my children. I trust you with every area of their lives, just like I trust you with my own. So whatever it is that you have planned for my son or for my daughter, help me to be the vessel to them that you need me to be and not get so wrapped up in what society thinks and me or what people may see or what people may think of my children because of how they act or how they carry themselves but help me to focus on what it is that you want me to do in their lives so i think that that's another part of that spiritual blindness that we can fall into we can fall into the trap of society we can fall into the trap of wanting to exalt our children above submitting our children to the will of god let's go ahead and keep reading verse 22 you don't know what you're asking 
Jesus said to them, can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can, they answered. And I, again, I'm going to stop right there, y'all, because how many times have we gone to God? Or how many times have you, because I know I have, have gone to God and prayed and asked for something that I really didn't even understand what I was asking for, that I really didn't even know what I really was getting myself into. How many times have I gone to God or you gone to God and not really get the concept that what we're asking for is not really what we need or what we really want? Instead of asking and going to God and asking for his will to prevail, we often go with our own agenda. Verse 23, Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. So here Jesus is saying he's not in authority. He's going under the authority of God, which we all should be doing. When the 10 heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, you know that rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is teaching here that the greatest person in the kingdom of God is a servant. It's somebody who's willing to humble themselves and realize that no job is too big for them. And I think that I struggled with this. This was a spirit an area of spiritual blindness for me. And I think that it took a conversation with me and my pastor to really drill that in for me at one point. I love serving. I love being involved. Let me let me rephrase that. I love organizing and putting things together. I love being able to see a project come to life. But there's a difference between serving to really glorify God and then serving out of acts of or external obedience or for glorification or honor. And I think at one point in my life, um, I'm not going to say I think, I know that at one point in my life, I served because deep down a part of me wanted that recognition. I wanted to share the glory with God versus me serving because I knew that those things were leading people to Christ or they were an opportunity to bring somebody into right relationship with God. I knew those were the right words to say, but my heart had not connected to that idea of serving. Now that I look at my life and now that I am wanting to step out even more and do more for the kingdom of God, my perspective or my motive has changed for why I am doing it. But I think at one point, no, let me not say, I think at one point I started to feel like certain jobs of service were beneath me or not so much beneath me, but just were not important or not relevant to what was being done at the time. So one example was um, at my church, we have a fellowship hall and a lot of times we would use that space to host different events. So 
often we would change the layout. We would move the chairs and we would move the tables around. And after serving at an event, I was told that we needed to put the chairs back in a particular place. And I was so frustrated because I felt like, why does this matter? Nobody sits here anyway. Why does this matter? I felt like it was pointless. As I was in there and I was picking up the chairs anyway, and my pastor and I was having a conversation and he told me, he was just like, basically what I took from it is not so much what you're doing, but it's your heart while you're doing it. It doesn't matter why you had to put the chairs back, but look at your heart posture while you're putting those chairs back. And that really hit for me. And now I think about that all the time. And anytime that I'm serving, even if it's taking out the trash, what is my heart posture? Is my heart posture, I shouldn't have to take out the trash. Other people should be taking out the trash. Or is my heart posture, Lord, whatever it is that you want me to do to help the next person, show me. You know, so it's all about heart posture and doing things that really are in service to God. So now I ask God to help me in everything that I do and everything that I do to help me do it with a right heart posture, knowing that I'm serving him and not looking for people to see the things that I'm doing. Verse 29, and Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho. A large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they said, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. So when I read this, I thought about these men were blind. They could not see. Physically, they could not see. But they recognized who Jesus was. They knew that the Messiah would come from the line of David. Without being able to physically see, they spiritually were able to see who God was. When the disciples who spent time with God and everybody who walked with him, in order the crowd that was with him, could not recognize who he was, they were spiritually blinded. But these men who physically could not see, but with their hearts, they were able to see that God was who he says he is. And I thank God for revealing to me who he is. And I thank him for showing me all the areas of my life where I've been spiritually bonded. And I pray and I ask him to to continue to give me sight, to continue to show me the areas of my life where I need to see things differently. But y'all, that's all I have for us today. I'm going to go ahead and pray. And I, you know, I just pray that you receive something from this message and me sharing with you. So let's go ahead and pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for just being the God that you are. Thank you for using me, Father God. I pray that I will always have a heart that's in the right posture. I pray that I never get in the way of your work, Father God. I pray that your will always prevail. I pray for every person that hears this message, Father. Whatever it is that you have for them, I pray that they will receive it. Lord, I pray that every word that came from my mouth was words that glorified and honored you. And never, never allow me to get in the way of what you're doing, Lord. I pray that you would always, always allow your will to prevail. Keep me humble. Keep me with a servant heart, Lord God. And Lord, I just thank you for opening my eyes. I pray that you would open the eyes 
and the hearts of your people as they listen to this message and as they run across someone who shares a message with them or if they hear a song, Father God, however you choose to speak to them, I pray that they will see it and receive it. And Lord, we just thank you again for being who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you today. Please share and come back next week for another episode of Be Encouraged.